This podcast brought to you by Earthlink. It's Friday, January 27, 2006. I'm Molly Wood, author of CNET's Buzz Report. And I'm Tom Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, CNET's podcast of indeterminate length, not featuring producer Veronica today. No, we have Vincent instead. Hi, thank, Vincent. Thank goodness for Vincent. Hi. <laughs> Vincent is a new name to longtime podcast listeners. Yeah. Not Veronica, not Jason. Because nobody, including Molly, wants to come in on Friday. Apparently, it's just that kind of Friday. No one's coming to work. Except for me and Vincent. You're actually the only people in the building. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big building, too, you guys. That's quite shocking news. (laughs) I have the Las Vegas hack. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cough, right? Not not some kind of protocol for winning blackjack, (laughs) computer blackjack. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a much bigger announcement, actually. But no, that is not what I have. I'm recovering. Google censorship news just flooded starting so, uh, yesterday afternoon on and on so we have i i as i understand it a summary of the news at, at, <laughs> yeah, as well, it has developed to this point let's give you the timeline and then we can we can discuss uh first there was a story on news.com about how google censorship actually went farther than yahoo or msn's targeting things like teen pregnancy homosexuality dating beer and even <laughs> jokes because I, my favorite is an essex county website was banned because it had the word sex as com- in essex Oh. <laughs> in its domain name. Communism is not funny or sexy, funny. apparently. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, there was a blog posting about how China, yeah, the, yeah, it's just silly. Uh, so Google realized that they had overreached and fixed the, quote, bugs. Right. Uh, so a day after Google's buggy censorship of sites, uh, the search giant responded by fixing it so that beer and jokes would no longer be deleted. So apparently communism is funny and apparently. drinks beer. Although we were, no we word on whether... No word on whether the bug fixes will now be allowing sex health information, which was one of the <laughs> things that came out. There are still uh, there are still many what we would consider harmless sites like the BBC, for instance, that are blocked. But that is uh, apparently part of the normal ban. And uh, people like Bill Gates and even a columnist on the BBC itself have come out praising Google, saying, no, you know what? This is the right thing. Yeah. Well, I mean... I don't think that they're arguing that it is morally the right thing. I think they're arguing that it's the right thing in terms of following the money. If you're going to start doing business in China, then they're saying this is, one, this is the way you have to do it. And then the argument that they make, their, their sort of slope argument. This is Bill's argument. This is Bill's argument, is that, listen, at least we're in there, mm-hmm. and at least we're doing something, and the more access they have to the Internet, even if it's like only part of the Internet right now, AOL style, the better they'll end up being because gradually they'll be able to chip away at these restrictions. See that there's an article that just came out since I talked to you and walked upstairs on the BBC <laughs> news website. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm trying to figure out who the author of it is. It's an opinion piece though. Oh, it's Bill Thompson. All right. Okay. He has made, I don't know him. And this is on the BBC news website. He has made the decision to actually reinstate Google as his default search engine on Firefox because they went into China. I saw that. Uh, he thinks it's significant that the Google page will let people know if their search results are being restricted, something that doesn't happen if the filtering is done by the government. Uh, he, he is almost taking the moral ground in this, where he's saying, you know what? This is the right thing to do because Google is not evil and it will inject them into Chinese society. And and, and China's actually letting in a Trojan horse, so to speak. I, I'm, he doesn't say that particularly, right. but that's sort of the point of what he's what he's going up, that this can only be good. Well, I think that is kind of it's an interesting argument that 
Google at least will make it obvious so that if you are a Chinese citizen and you're searching for things and you see a notification on Google's site that says, hey, not everything that you could be seeing is here, that, that in itself does raise kind of an interesting question because you could have argued before that, that the Chinese government was, make, was taking this kind of ignorance approach that, like, there have been in the past Chinese citizens who literally just didn't even know what they were missing. So I can kind of see the argument that if they start to realize that they're missing a lot, then maybe they'll start to push for more. And then he makes the point that, you know what, even in the United States, where the First Amendment protects speech from government interference, service providers impose terms and conditions that limit what can be posted online. So he's saying, you know, it's not like any country is really free from re- restrictions. Right. It's, it's you know, it's a slippery slope. Our it is restri- a slippery the, slope. the restrictions you live with are always less uh, uh, oppressive than the restrictions imposed by others. Exactly. Well, and in Because you get used to them. And I think in this case, it is po- like obviously we know that progress has been made in China in terms of what the users are demanding. And obviously we know that no company is going to ignore a market that size, especially since. It's a growing market because they're demanding more and more access to, to basically free trade and now, capitalism. The opposite side of it is, could Google have made even more of a difference if they had, being as big and successful as they are, held out and said, we're not contributing? Probably, you know, probably not. Well, and, and, they, and they were already involved in business in China. I mean, this isn't like they, they've never been there. They, they're a part owner of one of the Chinese search engines. This right. is just an expansion. And, but if, and if they hold out, then they become just one of the many things that I can't. I'm, this is so weird to find myself making this argument. But if they hold out, they just become one of the many things that the Chinese citizens don't know about. But isn't that what they want? I mean, it, it really is, like you said, it's a moral argument. Business-wise, absolutely makes sense for any business to right. get as much as they can if you're just being amoral about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the moral argument that becomes the tough one. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so are, maybe they aren't affecting much change, but should they stand on principle? Well, and are, and actually, though, the corollary to that is, are they affecting change? Maybe they're not affecting as much change as we would like them to, but that is easy for us to say because we live here. And you know where all of the, you know, people all over the country are discussing this, and you know where this argument always ends up? No. Nazis. <laughs> Somebody, you know what? That's people not get, funny, but... <laughs> people, no, 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 people get... It's <laughs> it was a little unexpected pe- People me. get uh, inflamed, and then they start, well, should Google go into Nazi Germany? Well, and, that, and then you have to end the argument right there. Right, yeah, you do. Because you know what? That's just a, yeah, that's a conversation killer. Because you know what? And I brought it up, and not because I think that that is a valid analogy at all, mm-hmm. but because I know we need to move on. <laughs> so you're just trying to end the discussion? <laughs> it's just, you know, for time's sake. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, no, no. I'm ending this discussion. Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All, that's all you have to do to end any discussion. It I'm doesn't even start, matter what you're talking about. I'm going to start typing that into my IM windows when someone's <laughs> talking to me and they won't go away. <laughs> Nazi. Meanwhile, the uh, government that Google is brave enough to fight, the United States, uh, is taking them to court on February 27th. This is to discuss Google's refusal to hand over search results uh, because of a subpoena. Right. Now, and this was an interesting point that I heard John Vorak and Leo Laporte discussing. This is not a criminal case. Yeah. This isn't a court order to hand over your results. A lot of people are discussing it that way. This is a subpoena. This is just a fact-finding mission. This is a fishing expedition, as they said. I don't know, though. Isn't there there's some legal recourse for defying a federal subpoena, though, right? Can't sure, but I, in other words... It's you, still going to be civil. It's if you're investigating whether someone was a terrorist, you come with a court order and say, hand over to me records pertaining to this case. Mm-hmm. That's not what's going on here. This is a subpoena well, saying, I, you know what, I think... 
that, yet. Well, no, and this is about Child Online Protection Act, so this isn't even a criminal case, right? No. I mean, this is this is a I don't know if it's a civil case, but you're not. They're basically going and saying we just want to find out some information that'll bolster our argument. Yeah, no. All I'm saying is if they go to court and so and the judge finds that Google does indeed have to turn over these records according to that the subpoena is legally valid. And Google refuses, then I assume it could escalate to a court order. Oh well, that's uh, that's different, right? In other words, if Google becomes the criminal because they won't comply with the subpoena, yeah, that's why yeah, I don't. I don't think it ever becomes a criminal action. It's just a. It's a matter of fines and and being forced. And you're right. Maybe it could be a court order. But All in right. other words, I'm saying the 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 level of of need here isn't protecting people from harm. This isn't a court order criminal type situation. This isn't where somebody has murdered someone or there's, you know, an enemy to the state. This uh, is Obviously, I know that. I think Google... Well, is but already... I don't think a lot of people have, to have have taken that into account in their discussion of this. Well, That's all because I'm saying. That what they're discussing is that they think that Google is trying to protect you from harm in the sense that they're trying to protect you from a slippery slope of revealing too much information about you. Well, some people have not said that. That's where I'm going. There are right. people out there saying that Google should hand over, that they're well, unpatriotic. Have you seen the patriotic Google, the patriotic search website? No. There's a patriotic search website out there that avowedly says, we will log everything you search for and hand it over to the government whenever they want it because we believe in America. <laughs> that, I mean, <laughs> first of all, the terrorists That's aren't going to use your search engine. <laughs> Uh, and second of all, I think you're kind of missing the point. Well, yeah, people are always going to miss the point. Don't yell at me about it. I wasn't <laughs> yelling at you. You're, you're just, it's your cough. I just want to move feeling, on. You're not feeling well. I don't feel good. I want to move on to singular. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Speaking of not feeling well, this patent case makes me feel sick. This is unbelievable. Singular has filed a patent application. Let's be very clear. The patent has not yet been granted. So perhaps there is still time for you to start sending angry <laughs> there, mail. There is yet hope. To the U.S. Patent Office. They not have, that the Patent Office responds to public pressure. Obviously not. But, and no, no doubt that, okay, let's say what it is first. Singular has filed an application to patent the emoticon. The concept of using emoticons on mobile phones, including MSN-style graphics, i.e. the little actual smiley face, and the delivery of text-based emoticons. So, you know, the little colon plus parens. Yeah. Yeah, that would violate Singular's patent were it to be granted. Now, I think what people are suspecting is the idea <laughs> here. Joke. Well, the idea here is that they're trying to get a patent for their delivery of the graphical versions over their mobile phone carry. But, and, and but as usual with patents, it yeah. goes way beyond that. But this is really interesting. If you Google, like, Smiley patent and patent Smiley, uh-huh. you find that in 2005, Microsoft tried to patent the Smiley as well. Yeah. So it's so. Hopefully, this is a patent that will not be filed. I don't know. Actually, they, they, or that will not be granted. Rather. What's hilarious? I mean, we saw it on Slashdot, but the CellularNews.com has the story, and uh, their last line is: uh, "We only hope that they lock the patent away in a dark box and effectively ban the use of graphical horrors on mobile phones forever." Sorry, I don't like them. <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> so well, you know, as long as they leave the text-based ones around. Yes. You know, there's a, there's definitely a strong anti-emoticon faction out there <laughs> yeah. who probably will support this patent. <laughs> like sign a petition or something, seriously. Patent law should not be used for this. And then put a colon and a parenthesis after it. Something that um, made me smile yeah. a little bit, hearing about the Senate Commerce Committee discussions on the broadcast flag. Oh, yeah, this is great. This is sort of awesome because basically what happened is that two senators involved in the Senate Commerce Committee hearing have recently been exposed to 
um, technology. Yeah. <laughs> and like so a- rather than the usual Senate and Congress discussions about technology, which are made in almost complete ignorance, <laughs> these two are like, actually, um, I think maybe the broadcast flag isn't such a good idea because I have an iPod now. <laughs> well, and th- this is classic. No, it's really great. So it's um, Senator Stevens. Senator Stevens and Senator Inouye are Inouye. mentioned, and then Senator John Sununu. Right. Well, Senator Stevens and Inouye were saying something has to be done. Oh, they're um, the ones saying that we need to have this flag? Right, so we okay. have to have this. But so then Senator John Sununu, a Republican from New Hampshire, of and the, an MIT graduate who does actually know about technology. Of the postal flap fame, I think. Yes. I don't know too much about that, but you mentioned it earlier, and I believe you, um, said, hey... For, apparently for the first time, which I find amazing, do we need this mandate at all? <laughs> Good question. Because you know what? I just bought an iPod, and now I understand what this is all about. Yeah, well, no, this Instead is of more. just meaning this is uh, money in my campaign fund from he's industrial not. lobbyists, I actually watch the stuff. Yeah, he's not the one with the iPod, though. Senator Stevens' oh, he, what daughter, does he have? Senator Stevens' daughter bought him an iPod. Okay. And so he says, so then they're talking about the broadcast flag and then an audio flag, which would be similar. Uh-huh. And Senator Stevens, who's in his 80s, goes, would I be able to record from the radio and then put the shows <laughs> onto my iPod? At, and according to the EFF, I love this. With that simple question, the octogenarian senator encapsulated arguments about place shifting, interoperability, and fair use that would have taken whole federal dockets to explain a few years ago. Yep. Even more damning was Senator Sununu's follow-up question, in which he asked if, post-flag, the senator might record three songs from the radio today and listen to only one of them again tomorrow. Of course, under the RIAA's proposed controls, you may not. This is in their language called disaggregation, apparently. This flag, which was sold to Congress to impede piracy, appeared to be designed primarily to control and inconvenience law-abiding, ripping, mixing modern-day senators. <laughs> so basically what's happening here, folks, is what what... I think we've always said is once you actually use the technology, you have a whole different perspective. You do. On it, what it means. And and you can't, it's like they've been listening to the RIAA propaganda all this time, and it sounds like it makes perfect sense because oh, it's a they're shell talking game. about it in terms of money. It is a total shell game. And so once you get your hands on the actual technology and you realize how restrictive it would be to the individual, you go... Whoa, whoa, wait a second. Well, because all the RIAA says is, well, this is stealing. And when people steal our music, then we lose all this money. Right. And who's going to object to that? No, nobody wants stealing. Exactly. So it's when the the senators actually start to realize, oh, by stealing, you mean me recording a show off of uh, the radio and listening to it the next day? Right. That's not stealing. And this is a wonderful, Senator Sununu said, after asking, do we actually even need this? He said, the history of government mandates is that it always restricts innovation. Why would we think that this one special time we're going to impose a statutory government mandate on technology and it will actually encourage innovation? Interesting. Wow. Yeah. And so Senator Stevens, upon closing the committee, noted that the committee has a lot of work. And while this is a very important issue, bills could get stuck after the objections of just one committee member. Well, that just sounds so mobster. I know. Uh, accidents happen. Bills get stuck, you know? Bills get stuck. You know, like just one guy has something to say. They get filed away, you know? Yeah, next thing you know, no no broadcast flag for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's dead. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> it sounds like it. I hope so. We'll see. And then you wanted to uh, mention in the same breath uh, Congress talking a big dumb game about protecting your privacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> 
this is one of those things that you read like, oh, now politicians want better phone record privacy because we're all freaking out that people are out there buying their phone records and blah, 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 blah. And you know what, Congress? I'll believe when I see it like I always do. All right. When we come back, we've got uh, more on Yahoo buying Dig. We have a decision on whether Google's cash violates copyright law. And would Google be starting their own iTunes? Do you believe anything is possible? At Earthlink, we do. We believe the same company that delivers your lightning-fast DSL connection can deliver your home phone service and wireless service, too. One company for all your communication needs. Visit earthlink.net and start believing today. Earthlink, we revolve around you. Dig is safe from Yahoo? According to, according to Kevin Rose, he posted on his Dig the blog that he saw the stories on TechCrunch and CNN and CNET fueling rumors about Yahoo possibly in talks to buy Dig. And he said, just to set things straight, we are not in talks with Yahoo. We are focused on creating new features and expanding Dig into new areas. The recent reports about Dig and Yahoo are just rumors, nothing more. And so now it's time to overanalyze every word he just said. Yeah, that is so cute that he thinks Yahoo would call him first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's the point, right? Is like just because Kevin and the folks at Dig aren't talking to Yahoo doesn't mean Yahoo doesn't have their big guns trained right on them. Yeah, it doesn't mean that Yahoo's not talking about them. But it probably does. They are. It it probably does mean that the you know a deal isn't going to happen tomorrow. Right. Exactly. So don't panic yet, Dig users. (laughs) But Kevin, beware. But Kevin, don't open the door. Don't answer the phone. Um, In other lawsuit news and Google news, actually, a district court in Nevada has ruled that the Google cache is a fair use, and they've actually used the DMCA. That's the best part of this story. Yeah, to show that the cache is fair use. And they said that an author and attorney who who had sued Google because the search engine automatically copied and cached a story he posted on his website claiming copyright infringement, the court said that he, quote, attempted to manufacture a claim for copyright infringement against Google in hopes of making money from Google's standard caching practice. <laughs> Ouch. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know what? Frivolous lawsuit. But it's Alert. worth repeating. The Google cache qualifies for the DMCA's 512B caching safe harbor for online service providers. It's like one of two things in the yeah. universe, apparently, that qualifies. But one thing people have always feared with the DMCA is that those are so restrictive in their exceptions that no one would ever qualify for them. But this right. court actually found that it did. So that's, well, that's good news. And it's interesting, the EFF, a lot of EFF news today, mm-hmm. um, Electronic Frontier Foundation, for those of you who don't know, EFF.org, says it could, the decision is replete with interesting findings that could have important consequences for the search engine industry, the Internet Archive, the Google Library Project lawsuit, RSS republishing, and a host of other online activities. So could it be an important precedent in addition to oh, yeah, I think it will be. I really throwing do. out this um, frivolous lawsuit? I agree with that. Uh, in the realm of rumor, Forbes had an article that we saw on Slashdot about Google being close to developing an iTunes competitor. This is Bear Stearns, an analyst, saying that uh, he believes that Google is in the midst of creating its own iTunes. Bear Stearns is a company. I'm sorry. <laughs> the analyst He's, is Robert Peck. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Sometimes I read while Tom talks, and it's the, hilarious. The quote was, we believe, not he believed. Yeah. We believe that Google is in the midst of creating its own iTunes competitor, which we've dubbed Google Tunes. Which, <laughs> so the analysts get to name the products these days. I know. That's I love awesome. it when they give it the name. Uh, and we think this is a logical step now that the nascent Google Video product has been introduced. Have they looked yeah, have they at Google Video? Because you know what? I wouldn't be upgrading their stock if I'd actually used Google Video. I know. 
They maintained a $550 price target on the stock based on the fact that Google Video has been introduced and they may do Google Tunes. Look. <laughs> I'm not a stock analyst, but here's my report, right? <laughs> I heard on Forbes that Google might be doing an iTunes competitor, so sell. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I know. In the realm that of is market, not, in fact, investment advice. Just let me make sure that's clear. Market making rumors, which is kind of the best thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I love it that they're, they're saying. You know what? We've decided Google's going to do this, and we've decided to name it this. Yeah, Google's it. probably sitting around like Kevin Rose, like what? I, I we're know, doing like, what? Dude, um, we're not talking about that. It says they they expect Google to roll out a beta service within three to six months. Uh, you know what? Though Google rumors always prove to be true, so Google probably sees this and says, "Well, maybe we should." Yeah, they think it fits with Google's recent moves and its ultimate goal. The recent moves of just world. doing everything under the sun. Yeah, and in that from that <laughs> argument, yeah, it, does it does make sense. <laughs> In fact, I wouldn't be surprised either, but like you said, yeah, I'm not going to go buy stuff. Real quick, XPRIZE Foundation, uh, is uh, they're the group behind the Human Spaceflight Prize. Uh, they plan to offer a $5 million to $20 million prize to the first team that can completely decode the DNA of 100 or more people in a matter of weeks. And this has been a big deal of how can we create a device that will cheaply and quickly uh, and decode the DNA of individuals so that we can use DNA information as a diagnostic. Right. I think this is kind of interesting, personally, because the company that who can figure out how to do that stands to make billions of dollars. So their 5 to $20 million prize, to me, is like, um, don't worry, guys. They already have plenty of financial incentives. But what it does is it, allows, it encourages more money to be spent on this than would have happened anyway. And they always do this in cases where people are afraid to take the risk but it's a really important uh, piece of science See, that needs to be done. I'm not sure I agree that people are afraid to take the risk in this case. The, like I said, the financial incentive is there, and the financial incentive always drives the people money. Are, what spend. people are afraid to take the risk on is spending the money to figure out how to do it because no one has a clue. Yeah, oh, I, mean, I should. People have a clue, but no one is sure that it's going, they're going to get to the return on it. So this kind of just helps nudge them along. I don't know. I disagree. I think they, they would do more. I think they would make more of an impact by actually funding a program. But um, speaking of programs and programs that are dead, <laughs> I know, awkward segue alert, but I don't want to argue about it. <laughs> um, very, very, very funny comment on the CNET forums about why Sony stopped making robots. I just wanted to shout out to Slez. I heard that Ibo got the axe because it was illegally downloading music and ah. movies over the Internet. Curio supposedly got canceled because it was caught installing rootkits on people's computers. <laughs> Sony actually programmed it to do that. But since public opinion turned on Sony, they decided to let Curio take the blame. Oh, so he's a patsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny. And uh, in voting on the Buzz Out Loud forum uh, yesterday, I asked the question about whether you'd prefer to pay $1.99 for your favorite show to download it if you missed it or get it for free with commercials. 100% of respondents vote free as in beer. They all said that they would take it for free and watch the commercials. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Wizard JS for starting the, the thread. Yeah. And uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know what? It's not surprising. It's not surprising. Who wants to pay? Except it's apparently surprising to the industry who just, I don't know. Yeah, well. Whatever. They're behind the curve as usual. A few emails real quick. Uh, according to Nick W., everyone in podcast land is just loopy. Uh, at the end of an email to us, he said, I've noticed that this week in various podcasts like uh, Tiwi... Dignation and Buzz. I think that's supposed to be Twit. I think it might be, but I wasn't sure. No. So what he wrote. Everyone seems to be all over the map and punchy. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all, of course. It's entertaining. I was just curious if you all had noticed a trend to Januaryness <laughs> in podcasts. 
Interesting. Well, you know what? I think it's because a lot of us had to go through CES and Macworld. I think so. And, and we finally have just gotten our energy yeah, back. <laughs> we're just finally recovered. Yes, and so now life, is, life seems good again. Email from Peter John uh, regarding the challenge I made to Veronica to boot XP on her Mac. The uh, Apple boot challenge was at $6,000 when he emailed us, and it's up to 7535 right now as of this moment, as of this wow. recording. So get on it, Veronica. It's coming your money, money coming your way, V. Yeah. That's probably what she's doing, right? That's probably why she's v- not Vincent, is that why she's not here today? Like <laughs> That is why. That is, okay. That is we have I'm not supposed to tell anyone. <laughs> we'll just now keep, the hell now. We'll just keep it amongst ourselves. Yes. Veronica's buying us all in and out Burger. Oh, can't wait. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a Frapper Map shout out? Yes, to Pierre in Pittsburgh, who <laughs> says, love the podcast and go Steelers. Indeed, go Steelers. Also, I think that was so unexpectedly hilarious. To Pierre in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And plus, now we'll get a bunch of shout outs. Uh, we'll get a bunch of people on the Frapper Map from Seattle going, what? What about Seattle? Seahawks rule. I will say this. Sean Alexander got me many, many fantasy points, but I just love that Bill Cower. <laughs> we should do make that a regular segment, Mollywood's Fantasy Football Update. <laughs> no, we'll, totally. we'll, we'll, we'll toy with that for next season. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. All right. 1-800-616-CNET is the phone number. You can email us, buzz at cnet.com, or you can jump in on the forums, or you can do all three. The forums are found at forums.cnet.com. Look for the Buzz Out Loud Lounge. That's it. We'll all be back on Monday. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.